Hello everyone and welcome to episode 46 of the Talking Football Podcast with me, Derek Clark. Thank you very much for your company. Every week we try and bring you at least one top-class interview with some of the most colourful and interesting characters in the game. If you've missed any so far, you can go back and listen to them all in the archives. They can be found on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Podbean and on our newly launched website, talkingfitball.co.uk. In the second of two top interviews this week, I was joined by a Welsh goalkeeper that was fondly remembered at the likes of his beloved Cardiff City, where he now coaches, Luton Town, where he won the League Cup, Manchester City and Rangers, where he became a nine-in-a-row hero. It is, of course, Andy Dibble. As ever, it's packed full of great stories, so sit back and enjoy the latest episodes of the Talking Football Podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of the, the Talking Football Podcast. I'm delighted to say we're joined on the line this week by former Luton Town Man City and nine in the row hero Andy Dibble. Andy, thanks very much for joining us today. Yeah, good afternoon. It's nice to be on here with you. Before we look back on a, a colourful career, Andy, of course the coronavirus is affecting football and, and everyone personally at the moment. In terms of yourself, are you keeping safe? How is it affecting you? Yeah, I'm keeping safe. I'm, I'm down in South Wales. Um, <clears throat> obviously, just going about day-to-day business, trying to get a little bit of exercise as, as I can. You know, um, uh, still doing a little bit of work, but obviously we've been put on furlough. But uh, just looking at clips off my own back, really. So I'm trying to do a bit of DIY work, which I'm not very good at. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we're all in the same boat at the moment. Um, yeah. Look, Looking at the career then, Andy, a fantastic career in the game, of course. Um, born at 1965 um, in Wales, of course. What, what was life like growing up? Were you always sort of playing football? Um, well, interesting, well, funnily enough as well. I mean, I went to an all-rugby school, so I was never allowed to um, <laughs> play football at school. I played uh, I played football out of school. Um, um, I don't think many people know when I don't. I'm not an egotistic person. I, I was I was capped for Wales at schoolboy level at rugby, so oh. nobody actually knows that. So oh. I was, yeah, rugby was my, my first um, love. It was my a lot of my family played rugby as well. And I loved football. It was it was a difficult decision, but uh, football was played on a Saturday afternoon after playing rugby on a Saturday morning in school. Wow. So uh, did it come to a point where you sort of had to decide between uh, the football and the rugby? Because I imagine you were quite good, at, yeah. quite good at both. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I loved it. I mean, to, to, to gain a Welsh cap um, and play a trick in a minute win for the Welsh schoolboys rugby was brilliant. And wow. to be capped at football in the same season was equally as good. So it was a difficult decision. Um, but I was also on the books of Cardiff City from a 10, 11-year-old. So yeah. I was playing in training sessions on Tuesday and Thursday evenings in my hometown Cumbran but you know it, it got to the stage where you know I knew there was a good, a good career for me in football and glad I took that uh, pathway Yeah and in terms of of course you were, you were a goalkeeper Andy is that the position you always wanted to play? Funnily enough I started off as a, as a left back um, <laughs> and I'll, <laughs> I'll never forget it I was only 9-10 years of age playing in an under-11 team in the cup by the Cumbran Stadium um, I was brought off at half time, cried my eyes out, and then next week I found myself in goal, and I've stayed there ever since. 
And did you have any uh, growing up any sort of role models, any any keepers that you you aspire to be like? Yeah, I think as I was growing up, um, and then I was privileged to meet these people and play against some of them. It was you know the the Shiltons, the Clements, the Corrigans, yeah, uh, the Paul Coopers, these type of goalkeepers. And I mean Cardiff City, of course, you were there from a, from a young age. Was that your, your team growing up? Did you support them as a boy? Yeah, I supported Cardiff a lot. Um, I went to a lot of the games. I stood on the Bob Bank and being there when there's been fifty or thousand in the in the old stadium. But I also had a, a little bit of passion. I used to go and watch Newport County and my father. So I saw a lot of them, their games. I saw. I remember seeing them play in Europe as well. So I followed both teams. Um, Cardiff was my, obviously my first love. Yeah, absolutely. Um, of course, you, you joined them uh, quite early on in your career. Did, did they send scouts to go go and watch you and then uh, pick you up? Yeah, well, after um, my debacle in the cup final when I was a nine-year-old, uh, <laughs> as I said, <laughs> I ended up going in goal. And my first couple of games, I think I'd let six in, in one game in and eight in another. So <laughs> becoming a goalkeeper, it was a big baptism as well. But a, a gentleman called Adrian Jones, who... Um, he still lives in the Newport area. He was there watching and came along two or three, four games later and uh, kept coming. And he invited me to to go training with him. Uh, so that was that was in training with from a ten year old and signed schoolboy forms at fourteen and then apprentice forms at sixteen. Yeah, and of course uh, you made your debut at seventeen. Is that right? Was that against Crystal Palace? Yeah, I mean uh, the person I took from. The guy called Ronnie Island, and all the Later on, became big friends with Ronnie during my career. But sadly, that my debut was during his last game in football. He developed a, a major pelvic problem, <clears throat> and uh, he pulled out the game with about an hour and five minutes before kickoff, and gave me my chance. And sadly, you know, Ronnie died last year. But he was a great uh, friend and. A big help during my career. Yeah, I was going to say that. I mean, being a, a young keeper back then, the older sort of pros sort of help you settle in and that sort of stuff. Yeah, they were fantastic. I mean, my, my first game, um, I didn't have time to think about it, but my next two were massive games, really. I mean, they were Welsh Cup finals against Swansea, where yeah. you know, both, both were full houses. So, something was just turned 17, it was quite an occasion. Massive games, like you say, Andy. What, what's it like walking out there playing against um, your rival Swans? In like you say, the atmosphere, the fans, and all that—it it must be something else. Well, it's been, it's, it's a big occasion in South Wales. I mean, I've been lucky uh, when I look back. I played in a lot of big derbies, and, yeah. and the Cardiff Swans are massive. I've also been on the coaching side of, of this game, so I know the feeling. And you know, losing these type of games isn't a nice feeling. Ninian Park, of course, where uh, Cardiff played. Uh, what was it like uh, walking out there and, and, and playing there in front of the uh, the Cardiff support? Um, it, 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 brilliant feeling. Um, with being local lad as well, uh, added even more to it. Um, it's always been a special club, and you know when you've stood on the terraces, supported the club, and then gone on and played for the club, and then become goalkeeping coach of the club, it's, you know, so great feeling. Yeah, definitely. Uh, a few years at Cardiff and then Luton Town come calling. Um, was that an easy decision to make to to go to Luton at that point, Andy, or was it were you quite yep. sad to leave your, your Cardiff City? I, I was very sad to leave um, because obviously we, we we got promoted. We got promoted yeah. the following season, uh, 
And then we stayed in the, the old championship. We had a good season in there. Uh, and that was when I was starting to create a bit of interest from different clubs. But with around Christmas time, Graham Taylor, to, uh, Watford took interest in me and uh, I was invited up to um, to train with Watford. I was up there on a regular basis uh, once, a week, once or twice a week. Oh. And it looked like I was going to sign for Watford. Um, and then I felt bad letting Graham Taylor down, but David Cleek came in at the last minute, which was only up the road, as you know. So uh, yeah. another derby, and Cleek uh, somehow convinced me to sign for Luton Town. And you mentioned David Cleek there. What, what was he like as a manager, as a coach to play under? Oh, fantastic! I mean, David Cleek. Uh, <laughs> there's no part of us with David Cleek. He was. You know, if we wouldn't five four, we wouldn't five four. You know, what I mean, he, all he wanted to do was he wanted to do was score goals, play attractive football, and don't worry about conceding. You know what I mean? <laughs> and of course, I mean, looking at back that at that time, they're one of the first clubs to have the old artificial uh, pitches and what have you. I mean, it's changed days now, of course, with the uh, the calibre of the pitch. But as a goalkeeper back then, Andy, what was that like to play on that? Yeah, well, one thing I mean, my time at Luton finished. Uh, fantastically started well um, and I had a bad injury at Old Trafford and then playing on the plastic pitch I picked up a nasty elbow injury and uh, continuous problems and, you know my knee after I come back it wasn't it wasn't easy to work on so although my time was really special there I, I, I wish I could have clocked up more appearances but yeah. you know I don't want to make any excuses but the, the, the plastic pitch didn't help me it helped the team and the club because you know, we won a lot of games on that surface. Yeah, absolutely. You, you had a couple of loan spells, of course, when, when you were at Luton and Alisa Sunderland and, and Huddersfield. What, what was that? Was that just to get to get game time there at all? Yeah, it was. I mean, I started uh, the first season I went there and obviously got injured. Les Sealy then came back in and was a great professional. Yeah. Again, Les is no longer with us, but good guy to learn from. And he made it very really difficult for me to get my place back. So, you know, it's different to nowadays. Uh, Clubs won three goalkeepers these days, but in them day there was no substitute goalkeeper, so I was more than happy to get out and uh, go on loan and play games. Yeah, definitely. And uh, before we touch on, of course, the the '88 League Cup final, did a lot of goalkeepers have got sort of superstitions and all that. Andy, were you one of those? Did you have any any things you, you had to do before a game? Yeah, different little things with my socks and my boots, <laughs> tying them up twice and on the left foot, and tying them up twice on the right foot. And, little superstitions with my gloves so it was a few that you know <laughs> I, I, I have to admit I did have a, 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 quite a few of them really <laughs> and of course going into that that, that League Cup final Luton were uh, some side back then I mean uh, they're doing pretty, pretty okay at the moment in the Championship but back then reaching a, a League Cup final absolutely fantastic and the game against Arsenal it's one of those games I guess uh, Andy where you just play out your skin and you have one of the, the games of your life does that, is that sort of how it unfolds? Yeah well I mean I woke up yesterday morning to be alerted by Twitter that it was 32 years to the yeah. day, the anniversary. Yeah. And it was quite a pick-me-up considering, you know, the, today's present climate and what's going on in the world. There's a lot of people sick and ill, but, and, you know, I'm feeling great. But yeah. Obviously, everybody thinks about what's going to happen the next day. And it was a nice feeling yesterday morning to, to see what I'd done 32 years ago. And um, you don't often expect that 32 years on down the line. But it was, it was a good feeling. And, you know, going back to the day itself, it was... Just, just a, a magic occasion from the day before when we stayed on the outskirts of London. Well, we stayed in Luton and went down on the team coach and the preparation for the game. 
you know, going out the tunnel and obviously they gave the 90 minutes, picking up the trophy and the, the evening celebration. It was just magical. You know, you couldn't, <laughs> everything went according to plan. Yeah, definitely. And then, I mean, facing a team like Arsenal, had, I mean, they were packed full of stars at that point, but I guess you went into that game full of belief that yeah, you could topple well, them. Uh, we, we, football's a funny game. We, we were underdogs on the day. We probably looked at as a smaller club, although we'd had fantastic crowds that season and we were always in and around the top 10. But And everybody made us, you know, made Arsenal the, the favourites. But, you know, as a group, uh, it speaks volumes for the, the players we had. We were confident that we could get a result on the day. And the, the penalty, of course, everyone remembers from from Nigel Winterburn. Was that was that just a case, I guess, in the right way, Andy, or did did you have you did you sort of analyse where, where we would put it? I, I looked at previous things. We but don't get me wrong, we don't get you know the info that our boys get nowadays. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure my goalkeepers millions of clips of penalties. You know, every team we come up against. I just had a feeling, gut feeling, on the day as well that he would go to my left hand, left footer to my left hand, and you know, it proved right. Yeah, definitely. I imagine there'd be a, a party and a half after that. Yeah, it was an amazing feeling because obviously we were 12 minutes to go, we equalised and then it just gave the team such a massive, um, massive, massive psychological lift and and then we scored very, very late on in the game. There's nothing they could do. Yeah. So, yeah. It, you know, there was a lot of heroes on that day. There was 11 heroes on the subs, but I mean, uh, People talk about the penalty stage, but I like to think about Brian Steen's winning goal, which was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, it certainly was. Fantastic t- time there, of course, at, at Luton, and then Man City come calling again. Was that a case that they had to look at you and we fancy taking you on? But did, was it a wrench to leave Luton, or, or were you ready to go? <coughs> yeah, I, I was offered another deal at Luton and, and finished the season, obviously. Um, and Ray Arthur has offered me, God bless him, a, a, fantastic, a fantastic deal. and. You know, he told me that I'd start ahead of Les uh, the following season. But when a club like Man City come knocking, it was difficult because it's such a big club, steep in tradition. Okay, they were in the uh, the, the championship, um, but I, I was always I always interested in Manchester City and had a, a big like for Joe Corrigan. Yeah. Um, uh, and the, the, with a club being that size, I, I thought I had to go and give it a go. I mean. It was interesting because people talked about Manchester being like Coronation Street. <laughs> you know, but it, it's a, you know, I've spent a lot of money in there. It's a fantastic city and you know, a, a brilliant football club. Yeah, most definitely. You won promotion, of course, that 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 first season that you were there. A special side, of course. Some big, some big players in that Manchester City time uh, there at the time. Yeah, we had a fantastic team and a good mixture of uh, youth and experienced players and. Um, it started off pretty tough, but you know we gained momentum, and then you know the, to get promoted in, in the first season there was fantastic. Um, and the, the Blues falling away from home as well is something that I'll never forget. Yeah, but you played a uh, young Colin Hendry was there at the time, wasn't he? What, what was he like? As yeah, Colin. Player? No, I couldn't speak to either Colin. Colin was um, became a uh, roommate of mine, so yeah. I'm still keeping in touch with a big man. And, you know, fantastic guy, truly committed defender and one of the best central defenders I've played with. Yeah, yeah, he's certainly wore his heart on his sleeve. Uh, Main Road, of course, at Man City have moved to the Etihad, uh, but Main Road was the uh, where you played, um, Andy. How, how did you, how, how much did you enjoy playing there? 
Yeah, well, again, when you go, you see uh, today's new stadium, they're fantastic. But the atmosphere that was generated in um, at Main Road was unbelievable. I mean, when that's full, 50,000 in there, you know, there's no place like it for a proper, proper football stadium. Yeah, absolutely is. Um, Tony Cotton, of course, is a, a legend down City Way, uh, rival for, for you at City at the time. What, what was he like to share a dressing room with and compete against? Yeah, Tony's become a, um, a good friend of mine. He was a fantastic goalkeeper, obviously. I was a little bit disappointed when Howard brought him in because um, I'd end up winning one of the Supporters Player of the Year awards. Yeah. Um, obviously, I think Howard, after the, the incident with Gary Crosby, decided he wanted to bring another goalkeeper in, you know, and and hadn't really done anything wrong. I'd had a good season. Um, but Tony came in and made it really difficult for me, but uh, I think three or four games in, he was poorly and I played against Sheffield United and uh, probably had the best game of my life in a Man City shirt. And we went to Sheffield United on the Saturday and probably one of the biggest disappointments for me career was that uh, I was thought that I'd definitely be starting the game and then Howard left me out. Mm. An hour before kickoff, with no reason, when on the Tuesday or Wednesday night against against Villa, it was but on the Tuesday or the Wednesday. I had probably the best game I'd ever had in a Man City shirt. Yeah, I can only imagine. Did you did you ask him why what, what was going on there, or was it just a case of? Yeah, I did. He, 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 he was good to me after he said Tony's my number one. He's now my number one. You know, I think that everybody was well, managers have to make decisions anyway, don't they? So. Yeah. There was no, there was no shouting and screaming. I ended up going on loan. I can't remember where, but couple of, couple of months later, I'm on loan. So uh, there was always somebody that was knocking for me to go and have a game with. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you mentioned you touched on the, the, the Gary Crosby incident. Is it is it a case you, you can have a look back and, and have a wee chuckle now? Of course, Andy. But at the time, was that? I guess you must have been livid at the time when when that was all happening. Yeah, I mean, I was because I said I sincerely think that. It cost me a place in the team later on. Yeah. Uh, I, I do generally believe that. Yes, I can laugh about it now. Um, your place is you shown. You know, it's, it's never forgotten. Sometimes that gets shown more on the penalty side at Wembley. But yeah. I think the, the saddest thing with goalkeepers is they're more remembered for their blunders rather than their best moments. Yeah, that, that's the thing. You mentioned the, you had a number of loans when you were at Man City, of course. One of the loans you first experienced Scottish football when you when you went up to Aberdeen. Um, how, how did all that come about? Aberdeen were a, quite a good side back then in the in the early 90s. Yeah, it came completely out of the blue. I'm not sure who instigated that, but I had a fantastic time there and it went really well. And um, they, they got into Europe. I'm really disappointed because obviously Chucky uh, Scott wanted yeah. to keep me on wanted to keep me on there and um, something happened with them being in Europe they couldn't I couldn't play in European games so it gave the chance to um, uh, Michael Watt yeah so I, it was just five games and back down the road but five games that I really enjoyed and of course you would find yourself back in Scottish football um, a few years later in, in 97 the call from Rangers came was that another out of the, out of the blue call Andy? Yeah, I think this time um, the Manchester City career was coming to an end and I was looking to get out now. I was, throughout the years, I always believed I could make the number one position of my own. But um, when that call came, there was no, no thinking about it. I mean, <laughs> it was short and sweet, but uh, couldn't have dreamt of anything more. You know, it was up there with a top final. You know, 
my debut in Oldford game and keeping a clean sheet in, in front of 50 odd thousand <laughs> screaming shots. So, <laughs> <laughs> but what, you know, what a feeling. It was, it was like a, another cup final for me. And the, the feeling after that game was, um, you know, um, unbelievably, uh, it, 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 it was like Wembley really all over again. Yeah, uh, I remember it. But I remember it well, vividly. Back back in the day, and Rangers were looking for a um, for an emergency goalie. I think Andy was Andy Gorham was was struggling for fitness, and they bring you in. And I've got to say, the performance in that game was was unbelievable. It looked like you'd you'd been playing for the club for years. What was it like playing in that game, uh, Andy? I guess. <laughs> I mean, it was a huge game, momentous occasion, but you just seemed to rise to the occasion. Well. Yeah, and I, I, I knew uh, Andy was struggling, and I wasn't certain I was 100% going to play, but then I found myself playing. I'd only had a couple of days training with the lads. But credit to the group there, they made me feel so welcome and took me under their wing very, very early on. Some very experienced players, and um, the encouragement I got through, through and from, them, from the group certainly helped me. I couldn't speak to any of them as a group of guys. Did you know the the significance of the game itself when you get up there? Um, of course, Rangers going for that that, that coveted night in the row. I think I think I think I realised it as soon as I stepped off the team coach and what happened to me wasn't that. Nice. You know, there was people sitting on me. And I hadn't experienced that before, not in a Manchester derby or Swansea derby. But you know, the abuse I got when I come off the coach was unbelievable. Not not just me, everybody. Yeah, I'd, I'd never known anything like that, even. You know, as I said, as I mentioned the other derby, nothing like that. I'd never had to deal with, and I think then the noise coming out the tunnel and, and, and the, the game and the pace of the game itself and the stop start and the magic bargain, you realise it was the first whistle go. Wow, this is warfare. Yeah, it's, it's something else. I mean, Rangers had some players back then as well. They liked to uh, gas going. Brian Loudup was there, of course. Ali McCoyce and what have you. Did, did these guys help you? Were you, were you on that field thinking that this is the real deal? Yeah, I said I can't speak to any of them on and off the field. I mean, Gaza was brilliant. I had my family up there at the time. He looked after me with uh, Lock Lomond. He let me speed up. Thank goodness I didn't crash it. But <laughs> <laughs> he gave me lifts everywhere. And, you know, people talk about Paul, but he's off the field antics. On the field, he was a genius, but, you know, he was a gentleman and, a, and a, he, he, was, he was so kind to people. Yeah, um, absolutely. And, of course, it... The club went and won nine in a row, of course, up at Tannadice. For yourself, Andy, to be to be part of that side, and I mean, the Rangers fans um, regard you as a, as a legend um, for coming in and helping the club over the line. Is it hard to sort of compute how much high regard they have for you? He does something now because of, of all the, you know, since that time goes on. I mean, the amount of mail I've had and uh, nice wishes and played in the Masters tournament on regular cases doesn't happen yeah. anymore for Rangers. Uh, and the, the, the kindness of the, the people, the, the Rangers fans, has been brilliantly, brilliant towards me. Uh, I've been involved with the games as well. Obviously, with me carrying on in the coaching role, yeah. I've not been able to get there. But you know, one day I'm hoping I can go up there, walk out on the pitch, and give them the wave. Yeah, absolutely. That'd be fantastic. And you've got obviously the the famous nine in a row tattoo as well. What what's the story behind that, Andy? Well, we we ended up going to Toronto on tour, and we were going out in limousines. I mean, that a big time. It was a lovely trip, and you'd have eight players in a limo with a load of beer, and we were going to Rangers sports clubs, and you know, speaking to people that were so delighted to see the heroes there, you know. So we came back into downtown Toronto, and then we carried on. I mean, one drink, another drink, and 
and somebody mentioned that I should have a tattoo and we play spook to see who would have a tattoo and I ended up getting drawn out of the hat in the spook I think it was a, they'd um, fixed me up a bit so what am I having? Rangers at C9 in a row <laughs> <laughs> so I got dragged into a tattoo shop but I, we'd had a few beers that day I couldn't see any pain whatsoever <laughs> Fantastic, and when I mean, of course, it, your, your time at Ibrooks was was short. Were you hoping to maybe extend it there? Were, were you disappointed to to, to yeah, eventually well, leave? Well, uh, what would say to me that if Andy didn't sign a new con- resign a new contract, be interested because they already had Snellers. Snellers was already there. That yeah. He would be keen to to um, take me up. I hung on a bit over the summer, and um, Andy signed a new contract, so he's out the window, but. You know, he thanked me for everything I'd done, and uh, sadly there was nothing on the counter for me. But <clears throat> an experience I'll never forget. Yeah, absolutely, certainly is absolutely. Um, you leave there, of course. You uh, you go back to you end up back at uh, your former club, uh, Luton Town, and then we spells, of course, at, at the likes uh, at Middlesbrough. And then you had a bit of a uh, a crazy injury, didn't you? In ninety eight, sort of a, a scarring injury for you. Must have, yeah, must have no, it was, it was it was it was an awful time because I was. I wanted to go to America at the time, and I, yeah. I, I, I had something. I was had my heart set on going to America with um, the team in Boston and the American League was just about to take off yeah. but while it was being sorted I could only sign for a League of Wales team so I ended up signing for Barry Town who were um, they were full time and I was only going to play in the FA Premier Cup against the likes of Cardiff Swansea and Newport um, I played in all those games but it was just to keep myself ticking over and then I was asked by the manager would I, could I play one league game they had a problem so I said, yeah, I agreed to play. We went to Carmarthen and um, on a cold, wet day, after six minutes, I slid out near the penalty spot, made a couple more sliding saves and then 20 minutes into the game, I was feeling severe pain down the right-hand side of my body uh, from my hip upwards. I mean, the worst burning sensation you've ever had in your life. Um, took my shirt off at half-time. It was becoming unbearable. It was just which bright red as if somebody could throw scalding hot water over me but I managed to get on with the game by the time the game would finish it was just excruciating I took my shirt off the the, the size of the the burn had got even bigger um, so physio just said I've never seen anything like that in my life so I was taken to the hospital <clears throat> locally and they said you know you've got severe burns and then they transferred me to Morrison uh, Hospital which is a burns unit um, and I ended up spending two weeks in hospital and having three skin grafts on my body. Wow. So it was kind of six months of sport. <clears throat> and I was really low and flat at the time. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know whether I'd make a recovery, but something inside me spurred me on. Um, I had a chance to go to Hartlepool United with Chrissy Turner. I went up there. And then my next port call was Stockport County, which I loved. I got a special uh, time there. So I was... I was my fighting spirit, um, I was really pleased with because to get back into league football after what happened to me, people told me I wouldn't play football again. Yeah. And then on to Wrexham then, um, which I loved. I loved my time at Wrexham. Um, I had three brilliant years then. I think Mother Nature was calling them to me with a dry injury. So, but a great time there under Dennis Smith and another promotion. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And when the time game of time comes, of course, to, to hang up the the gloves, if you like, Andy, were you sad to do so, or was it? Did you sort of know within yourself that? that, that yeah, I, I kind of knew, and then I kind of knew, and that, that last season we Wrexham went into administration, and Dennis said to me, um, he said, "Gives you, you know, I want to keep you. I'm I'm forty now. But, uh, he said I want to keep you as player coach." But with the what happened with the club, it, it didn't end up happening. But it was I'd started doing a bit of coaching as well. And when I spoke earlier on about um, when Ron Healy was injured and he gave me my chance, I ended up, you know, bringing on a lad called Ben Foster. Wow. <laughs> who who, who um, we got in on loan at Wrexham. I helped work it. I helped, we won the LDV trophy. Ben played. He went from strength to strength. And, and then I went off to Accrington Stanley uh, where I was coach and you know, I had a great 18 months at Accrington yeah you certainly did and of course you're now at um, Cardiff City how much do you enjoy being back at the, the old Bluebirds and, and, and working there well it's fantastic as I said it goes back to my childhood days and yeah. you know, I support the club and you know, I've got so many friends in the area who are big Cardiff City fans and um, I'm proud because obviously I got promotion as a player and I, I got promoted to the Premier League as a coach so, so I'm proud of my achievements I mean the relegation is nice. The first one I've had on my CV, but you know we gave we gave it everything to try and stay in the Premier League. And I will say now that if VAR would have still been there, we might have stayed in the Premier League. Yeah, robbed. You're absolutely robbed. Yeah. Um, Neil Warnock, of course, was there for a the time. He's left now, of course. But what was he like to to do work with? Oh, he was he was brilliant. Uh, the gaffer, he's fantastic. I mean, he he gave me the chance to come back to Cardiff. I, everybody thinks I had years and years with him, but I think. When I was at Rotherham in the last but one season, he came in and we were down the bottom of the championship um, with, I think, 12, 12, 14 games to go. Neil came in and um, we ended up finishing just below halfway. It was unbelievable. I can't thank him enough for what he did at Rotherham United. Um, It was unbelievable what we did there. To stay in the championship was an unbelievable feat. Yeah, it definitely was, and, and I mean, you touched on 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 last season, Andy. I mean, it was just a it was such a hard season, what it for the club. I mean, off the field as well with the Emiliano Sala incident as well. It must have been difficult to deal with as a club. Yeah, I mean, it, it's been a sad year, as in the regard of uh, people losing their lives, obviously. And we just had uh, Peter Whittingham as well. Yeah, right enough. Yeah, you're right. And before, and before that, Chrissy Barker. So in in a year, um, on the Sala death. I mean, the Sala death was. Well, it's just so sad. I mean, yeah, uh, nobody could believe what's happened. It's still count to this day. Yeah, it certainly is. Um, touching on, of course, you, you made three international caps for for, for your country, Wales, uh, Andy. The first of those was it a friendly against Canada? You made your debut. Yeah, yeah, Canada, Canada, and Israel. Yeah. Um, I mean, how proud, I how proud my... were you to do that? Yeah, fantastic. And, and, and people all say to me, "Well, you have got, you should have got more games." I said, "I said, well." I think I had about 33 on the bench and three, I think I must have been involved in 36 games. Uh, you know, I had Neville Southall in front of me who was, yeah. <laughs> you know, who, who was in his peak. So yeah. it was difficult for me to, to get past him, but I enjoyed every moment of playing and I enjoyed every moment of being involved um, in the squad. Yeah, how good was Neville? Like, like you say, the guy was, was unbelievable back in his day. How, how good was it to work alongside Oh, he, um, he was—he was the best for me. I mean, he was unbelievable. I mean, we look at today; he's just a very, very good goalkeeper. About now, I mean, in that year you had Big Nevin and uh, Peter Schmeichel, who were fantastic. You know, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, now we've got 
if they needed a bit more footballers nowadays. But you know, those two two guys there were you know among the best in the world at that time. Yeah, they were absolutely superb. But of course, the game's changed a, a, a lot now since you, you were playing, Andy. The goalkeepers now are reliant on using their feet and starting attacks and what have you. Do you think you would like playing in t- today's game? I think I would have been better because when it came in, to, uh, when I was playing, I must have been 28, 29 years of age and I remember playing a pre-season game funnily enough for Man City in Ireland. I didn't know whether to pick the ball up or kick it when it came back to me. And I, I, but it, Yeah, no, I know, it was weird. And I ended up being on the receiving end of a reckless challenge in a pre-season game and broke my leg. So that's uh, these. This was in Peter Reid's day. Um, yeah. Um, obviously, I got used to it as I come back, but you know, nowadays, you, you, just the first thing you work with them is that you know they have to be good with their feet, don't they? So, yeah. you know, I didn't really have a lot of time to adjust to it. Yeah, I know. I know it just sort of it was just sort of happened overnight, wasn't it? The old pass back rule was, uh, was yeah, abolished. Yeah. And goalies just had to deal with it. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah, change days, uh, and of course, yeah, yeah, I mean, you've got your your son um, following in your footsteps, Andy. Now he's at Wrexham, of course, Christian. How proud are you that that, that he's taken up the old uh, keeping? Yeah, Christian's done done well at Wrexham. I mean, he lost his, he played the first fifteen, sixteen games, um, and, and change of manager. The new manager does like him. I know that for a fact. But they brought back Rob Langton, who was mm. who done well the season before, um, but. At the moment, they're at standstill. But Christine's done well at Wrexham. I'm really pleased with him, and you know, he's just he's just got to try and be patient and wait for his chance to come again and keep plugging away. But you know, I think they they're in a, in a position now where their league's been uh, stopped. So yeah, it's a question now of you know for all the lads at Wrexham to sit and wait and see what happens. Yeah, I think we're all in the same boat. In terms of, of course, you uh, being a goalie coach at Cardiff. I mean, how uh, are you managing to get sessions to the to the goalies remotely or what have you, Andy? How how does that work? I've got to be careful because I'm on furlough at the moment, but we are uh, having yeah. conversations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't want to get you in trouble. It's difficult one to answer. Yeah, yeah. I'm speaking to them verbally, so yeah. There is things in plan, yeah, definitely. But they're working by the fitness coach as well, you see. So yeah. the fitness coach goes through me and gives there's there's a plan being drawn up for them to do things in the back garden. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which they're going to find pretty, you know, they're going to be starting that in the next couple of weeks. We're hoping that we'll be back training on May the sixteenth. Yeah. Um, fingers crossed. Obviously, then. fingers crossed. It's up to the government. Uh, it's such a pity what's going on in the world at the moment. Yeah. You know, hopefully we can get back to being on the grass on the grass still. Yeah, I think we we all hope that's a likely scenario. Um, great stuff, Andy. I think that'll do us there. Thank you very much for joining. It's been an absolute pleasure hearing your, your story in the game. My pleasure. Thank you very much. Well, that was episode 46 of the Talking Football Podcast with Andy Dibble. I hope you enjoyed it. As always, remember if you want to listen to any previous episodes, you can catch them all on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Podbean, and by visiting the newly launched website talkingfitball.co.uk. We're also on Twitter. You can follow us at talking underscore football, and we're on Facebook as well. Hope you can join me again next time, and I'll be speaking to former Aberdeen striker turned renowned author Harold Stavrum. But until then, stay safe and bye for now.